Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Halex. And this week, joining us in the studio, we have Amy Robichaud, the Executive Director for Dress for Success Vancouver, somebody who's also, when I was taking a look through her bio, has lots of experience on the radio. And actually, you said that today started with you being on the radio. It did. Yeah. It a full circle kind of exactly. day. Exactly. I kind of like that. I'm going to circle back around to that, speaking of the full circle. Um, before we actually dive in with you, I'm going to take a minute um, with our listeners to acknowledge that we are broadcasting from the top of Burnaby Mountain on unceded ancestral territory of the Coast Salish peoples, the Squamish, the Musqueam, the Coquitlam, and the Tsleil-Waututh. And what that means to me as a settler is it's a check-in on remembering that I am a guest here, that I, uh, my ancestors and those who came before my specific ancestors came in and appropriated land that was not theirs and that we do not, we and I do not have the connection to the land that those who live here do and that we caused harm and that it is part of my responsibility to be looking at how to repair that, restore that and decolonize what we colonized. Amy, you actually do a lot of work that is around diversity and it sounds like a lot of shifting work basically shifting of perceptions and things right i am a change management professional i like that that's good good. because we're all about the change here so um we've actually been trying to get you on air for a long time we had one of those things going on where i had to pop off here and there and we delayed it and then you did we were so glad to have you in the hot seat today Finally, and you came recommended from someone else who'd been a, a guest on the show, which was always exciting to us because we know that uh, people who've been on before have a good idea of kind of the, you know, we love interesting people. So obviously, you are considered an interesting person to be sitting here with us today. <laughs> yeah, you've already got a vote in your favor. Oh, perfect. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Tell us a little bit about, so you're, you've given us your title as the Executive Director of Dress for Success Vancouver. We're going to take some time during the show to talk about what is Dress for Success. Um, but you are much deeper than that, I can tell, just from reading your bio. So g- give us the overall arching view of Amy. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I, uh, I'm, I'm a human who is <laughs> only able to show up fully. So uh, I work in the nonprofit sector. I have my entire life. And uh, I say nonprofit sector because when I start telling people that I work in mission-driven organizations, they're like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Uh, I work in the nonprofit sector because it's so important for me to be able to believe 400% in everything I do all the time, constantly. I would be fired from a job that I just showed up for to get a paycheck, although... I enjoy a paycheck because money can be used to buy goods and services. Um, and so it's been it's never been an option for me. People ask me sort of, how do I, what do I do and how did I get there? And the answer is by necessity. Mm. Um, and I have the immense privilege of leading a team of amazing staff and volunteers now at a local charitable organization called Dress for Success. Uh, and we get to change lives every single day. We get to make economic impact every single day. And I get to see that alive 
every single day. Um, and so what I do is everything and anything necessary to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do it with a title behind me, which is nice for the bio, um, <laughs> but pretty irrelevant for the work. Right. It's the heart that really makes the work happen and that motivation and that vision. And yes. Yeah. So when did that first start showing up for you? Um, that's a funny question because I don't remember it not showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I um, I realized in, when I was in college and I had a, I was in college and I was in the studying to be basically to be a public servant. I was studying public policy and um, uh, and I, I took a, an internship basically at a big department in the federal government. And this was like everything I was going to do. And I lasted two weeks uh, because I realized very quickly that while there is a nobility in being a cog in the wheel of democracy, um, I am not built to be separate from from the outcomes I need to. I need to be frontline. I need to be able to see. You're not designed to be a cog. I'm not designed to be a cog. No. Um, Even or, though cogs are really or important. Or I need to be the cog at the front of the machine that I can see where it's going. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that was a pretty quick awakening because it was. I sort of had to reassess everything that I was going to do with my life. Um, and it was also a pretty big awakening because I had assumed that. I think like most people that I'll work in big organizations and I'll be part of large pieces of of movement and. Um, what I realized is that I, I do really great in small shops. I do really great in in small teams um, in helping build them and grow them, but I have to be frontline. I have to be hands-on. And uh, I care a lot. And, if, and I also have a limited amount of energy. So for me, if I didn't get to spend my days doing things that were impactful, I'd have to spend my evenings and weekends doing things that were impactful. Um, and then I wouldn't get to sleep and nothing would work. So for me, I have the immense privilege of working in a job where I get to, I like get to do good every single day, unambiguous good that uh, helps people, um, and it feels very, very selfish because it is exactly what I want to be doing in the world, and I've been able to do that pretty much every day of my career. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, it feels like really selfish and privileged to be able to say that. So you you say all of this from the benefit of hindsight, of course, because. I can tell this has been an evolution. Um, How did you get to this place of having figured out that you need to be on the front lines and that small organizations work well for you and and, um, about your energy and expending energy? And um, that's, I mean, I feel like there's... There's stories in behind that. Um, well, we're all we're all just collections of stories. Uh, so there there definitely is. Um, I've always known this. Uh, I think an inkling. Uh, you know, not being able to work at the big government department, realizing that I was just going to be miserable. So you learn fast. Step, two I, weeks is not very long. No. To figure so that out. Um, step one, um, and trust me, I left that and I called my mom and I was like, so I've quit my job. I bought a video camera. I'm going to enter a contest and that's how I'm going to pay for my life for the next year. And it's not really a call your parents want to get, uh, <laughs> but I did it, and I did. I, I bought the video right camera, on. I won the contest, I nice. paid for my life for the next year. It worked out well, um, but so that was the first inkling of things not being. That's this is what I'll have to do. Of course, as as with everybody, I like to you know get it wrong a lot of times. So I would love to say, and then I had the perfect career and everything went beautifully, and I figured it out and never made another mistake ever again. Um, which isn't the truth. Uh, and Well, because we, we, we don't learn that way. No, it's, it's messy. Uh, so I, but what I did 
on that is I landed myself into the nonprofit sphere. I got a great job at a charity that I cared a lot about and they invested a lot in me and let me invest a lot in them. Um, and then I was able to consult and move into some other pieces. And then I sort of got back into getting, I think, further and further away from that impact and being able to see it happen. Except now I was an adult and I had responsibilities and the weight of the world came in. Um, and I actually ended up not working for a year. I ended up spending a year in an incredibly deep depression, not leaving my job gracefully, uh, leaving it in illness, leaving it realize in a place where I was not, I was not a good human. I was not good at being a human um, for, for about a year. And I, uh, in my recovery from that, realized that there are some things that just have to be non-negotiables for me. So I spent a year learning that the hard way. I don't know if there's an easier way. I love to talk to people who do because we could all benefit from that. Um, but I spent a year really struggling to figure out what is it that I have to do to be healthy. Right. And so when I say this is very selfish for me, I mean I mean fully selfish because what I do and how I do it is essential for my health. Mm-hmm. It's essential for my happiness. And there is no other way for me to be able to live my life that is going to keep me mentally healthy and therefore physically healthy and then let me do what I want to do in the world. I like the way that you're using the word selfish right now mm-hmm. because I think it is the honorable, essential meaning that we all should be selfish. I like to think of it as self-full. Yeah. (laughs) Because selfish has so many negative connotations to it now. I don't think it was originally a negative word, I think, but it's become that way, right? We don't say that about ourselves and say, oh, look at me, I look how... But but self-full is pretty much the same thing, but it just has a different connotation to it. Because how can we... How can we help anybody else till we know who we are? Well, and I think right? that's I think that's really true. And the work that I get to do now with women every day is a, is for me around that constant reminder that we have been socialized as a gender mm-hmm. to not put ourselves first, to believe that we're doing the right thing by helping other people first, to believe yeah. that we can find our fulfillment by giving everything away. Um, and the truth is, is that's never possible. We always have to fill our own cup first so mm-hmm. that we have something to give away. And um, so I don't see being selfish or self-full as a bad no, thing. In fact, no. I see it as, as fundamental yeah. to success. It's stability yeah, and it, it's yeah. what creates sustainability. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think it's always uh, uh, keeping yourself full, mm-hmm. being healthy. Like this is yeah. always a process, which we also don't do a great job of Yeah, uh, some days we're better people. at it than others. Yeah, right? but we also, yeah. we, have a, we live in a culture and a world that's like, well, you'll do these things. You'll do some self-care on Friday night and then you'll be fine on Monday morning. And, and then we can use you more. And then we can yeah. use you more. <laughs> I know. <laughs> as opposed to this, like this is a constant transaction. There's a yes. constant mm-hmm. negotiation of, of taking in and minute getting by out. Minute. And sometimes we're fuller and sometimes we're less full. But knowing what it is that really actually does fill you up, knowing what it is Mm. that keeps you healthy, that gets you healthy, knowing how to recover because we do get drained. Mm. And sometimes that's necessary and good uh, or for good reason um, is all uh, lessons that I learned, like, by not knowing them mm-hmm. and going to the point where I almost couldn't come back from that. Right. Um, and so now it feels obvious. Right. Because I'm like, well, obviously. There's clarity. Yeah, there's oh, clarity yeah. in I it for sure. I can hear in your voice. Um, now it feels obvious that that's what we have to do, but it doesn't. Um, and with that clarity comes a confidence in not just um, wishing, 
that we could do certain things because we know they would be more beneficial for us, which would in the end be more beneficial for the work that we're trying to do and all the people around us as well. But a boldness in, no, this is how we're setting it up. Yeah. So that... Sure, I'll I take am, that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think for me, it's that clarity of, and the boldness of knowing between my wants and my needs, right? Like, yes. I want a paycheck. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do need a paycheck. But, like, <laughs> I want to make good money. I need to make an impact. Mm-hmm. So the one informs the other. I'm going to make an impact. I'm going to figure out how to get paid to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and as it turns out, we need qualified professionals who work in our in the third sector, in the nonprofit sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, there's a really healthy community of of leaders and staff members and team players who um, are the same as me, have the the fortune of yeah. being um, of having their job be to make the world a better place. Yeah, uh, through whatever mission they're per- they're pursuing at the time. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for being so honest about the the dive that came in between because I, I noticed too in um, your experience you you say you do speaking on mental health issues and all it's kind of like the, everything's interrelated as well right but that honesty and the owning of it is part of what helps us to draw this back out of the shadows and into the this is actually part of our ebb and flow as humans, right? I mean, you, it was funny you kind of said, you know, I wasn't humaning very well at the time, but it's very human. It's so <laughs> su- it's so true that we most of us, whoops, I think all of us really do have these cycles in and out and it is informational. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're hurting and it's in pain and it's not fun, but it is the feedback. <laughs> Right, that yeah. something's off. it's honest. It and, is, um, and for me, the, the talking about it uh, was never an option. Being clear about this, working through it um, in conversation, was part of therapy for me. It yeah. was part of healing. It continues to be part of healing. Uh, it's also something I'm good at. Like I, yeah. I you can see that I like words. <laughs> words like me, um, and so if I can use the the skill, the talent that I've been able to cultivate and develop and and in some ways it's innate um to do good in the world i'm going to use that thing yeah so for those of you just joining us now um you're listening to essential conversations with rebecca and luca and our guest today is amy robichaud who's the executive director for dress for success in vancouver and uh, we're talking about how amy got to uh dress for success and and the informative um, experiences that she's had mm-hmm. as she's headed up to this place. I'm curious, Amy, about how um, how you've navigated your home life in this process of working in a world where you need to make a difference and where, I mean, let's face it, in the nonprofit sector, uh, most people don't get rich there. Um, and and it it strikes me that you probably um, have had to do some uh, interesting have some interesting conversations with your partner over all of the, these years as well, because the kind of work that you do affects both of you, not just you, right? Yeah. Um, yes. Absolutely. Uh, so I I I'm married. I have an amazing partner. Being in relationship with him is as easy as breathing. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, a lesson that I didn't learn the easy way about being in relationship with people. Um, and so, uh, him and I have had some very serious conversations around uh, doing the work I do and and putting impact first. Um, We've also had some not so serious conversations. So he's a lawyer, and we make jokes about how like 
morally we net out at the end of the day and uh, so that's great that we're together and all the rest of it which is absolutely not true because he helps a lot of people uh, in his work professionally and in everything else that he does in his life Um, but the the more serious conversations have been you know the ones that start with well you could be making a lot more applying your skills in the private sector and my answer has always been categorically no I couldn't because they'd fire me because I would be terrible at my job because I'd hate it Um, so I literally couldn't be making more than I'm making right now Um, but the other piece of that is that um, we uh, we've always known exactly who each other was coming into this so there was never this like discovery that Amy was going to be a non-profit management professional and that she was going to drive in mission driven organizations and and care about growth and and like like areas of instability and change Um, that was pretty much on the table and up front from the very beginning with both of us. Uh, And I have a partner who is the perfect partner for me. He Mm -hmm. took that and went, that's awesome. My career is very linear. He went to undergrad and then law school and articled and became a lawyer and is working his way up through a firm. Um, And that is perfect. And that kind of stability has allowed me to um, flex into consulting for organizations and you know, grabbing onto this impact here and following it and, and taking the pay that can come with it and um, has let me grow and explore and become really good at what I do. And also, I want to be clear, I think there's a myth that, like, everybody who works in the nonprofit sector, you know, is, we're, you know, eating spam and... Yeah, paupers. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and, like, no. burning, you know, magazines to keep our houses warm because <laughs> we can't afford to turn our heat on. Um, this is an organization, this is a sector that does pay professionals well. And can. And, you know, PSA, if you're a nonprofit employee and you work for somebody who's not paying you what you're worth, go find someone else to work for that is still mission driven. You'll find them um, because our people are our value and we can pay. We can be paid well to do what we do. And yeah, I it's am. a healthier organization. And they can be a healthier organization. So mm-hmm. never make somebody feel like you need to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Make you feel like you need to volunteer yeah. for your job. Right. Know your worth. Advocate for your mm-hmm. worth. And, mm-hmm. and there's a market for it. And participate yeah. in that market. Yeah. Um, don't give yourself away. Being a martyr is not going to help you create impact. Um, that's my personal philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, we've had those conversations. And uh, we've navigated our lives very, you know, interesting. It's me and him. We've got some pets. It's That's mm-hmm. a deliberate choice. It's going to be me and him. Um, we care you know, what we put into the world is, is community change and impact and, mm-hmm. and building community. And that's where we like to spend our time and focus that's not at our jobs and or on top of our jobs. Uh, and um, I'm just so lucky, incredibly lucky to have a partner who gets that and who, through all of it, like I say, it's just as it's easy as breathing. It's instinctive for mm-hmm. us to do this together. I'm feeling drawn to one of your songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about we listen to Leonard Cohen's You Want It Darker? We sure can. Okay. Would you like to tell us before we listen to it or after why you chose this song? Uh, let's talk about it after. Okay. We're going to play Dive into this one. I'm actually not familiar with this song, but the title is, like, really juicy, and it's Leonard Cohen. I mean, you can't go wrong. So let's take a listen to Leonard Cohen's uh, You Want It Darker. We will rejoin Amy here in the studio in just a few minutes. If you 
dealer, I'm out of the game. If you are the healer, means I'm broken and lame. If thine is the glory, then mine must be the shame. You want it darker. We kill the flame.
Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca and our guest today, Amy Robichaud, the Executive Executive Director of Dress for Success Vancouver. We just listened to her first song choice, which was Leonard Cohen's You Want It Darker. And I hadn't heard that before, but it was like dark chocolate. Everything was so good about that. But you mentioned as we went to the break, it's not a happy song but but it's that's okay it's, tell us why you chose that song um aside uh, a few reasons the first of which being i am a, a huge fan of leonard cohen and his poetry and i think his genius for putting emotion into language um and for tackling big concepts without making you feel judged about them or being on a high horse about them is something that I've always I've always been drawn to um, in his poetry and his music. Uh, the other reason that I love that song is the is a little bit of the story behind it for how he wrote it. So if you're a big Leonard Cohen fan, you're mm. going to get this. So that song was released as a single on his 82nd birthday. There's a lot written about how this is really a reckoning of mortality for him and um, and you know coming to terms with uh, you know having a faith that lets things happen in the world that shouldn't happen and yet still believing that that's important Mm. um, and knowing that we're better because of it. What I love about that song is there was a couple pieces that always stood out for me. One is the there's a line right in the middle about um, I have uh, demons, they're middle class and tame. (laughs) Um, And that piece of poetry has always been a really powerful imagery to me as somebody who has struggled with depression, who has struggled with mental illness, um, but who also, even in doing that, I never once didn't have the optimism that I would be better. Mm. Um, And so in some ways I there's this juxtaposition of demons being middle class, being tame, being beatable, that's not usually how you frame something that's right. demonic. You frame right. it as unstoppable and dangerous and... And uh, terribly evil. And terribly evil, not something that could be, you know, just walking down the sidewalk next to you and right. you sort of, you carry it with you. And um, I feel very much that way about my health, that I, it's always, there's always this piece beside me that could be dark, could be there, but it's it's pretty, like, we're pretty good friends. Mm-hmm. We know each other pretty well. Um, it's a pretty good companion. Um, mm-hmm. And so that that one line has been what I love most about this song. The other thing that I that I really like about this song, which I think exemplifies a lot of Leonard Cohen, is is this uh, willingness to acknowledge that the world isn't always a great place. Mm-hmm. That we actually live in some pretty dark times. Lots of troubling things happen, um, and uh, and continue to happen. And the work that we do may never, we may never actually see that full impact. We may never fix it or cure it or get rid of the demons, no matter how middle class and tame they are. Um, and I, I work in um, a sector which is striving for women's equality and safety and dignity. I'm a feminist, which means I believe that there's more to do. I also recognize that I probably will not actually see the end impact of all the work that this is incremental, that this is about the stepping stone going forward. And so while I get to see impact every day, there's also this sort of infinite game out there that there's continuing to be things that I'm not going to be able to directly solve or mm-hmm. or resolve. Um, and uh, so living with that is a, is a constant theme in my personal life and my professional life. But I'm also... Um, accused quite frequently by friends and family of being overly optimistic and overly trusting and overly like, it'll all work out and don't worry about it. The, you know, trust the universe. Um, and I love Leonard Cohen because he reminds me actually in his um, 
pessimistic poetry that I believe that fundamentally and that that's okay. It is okay mm-hmm. to be accused of being an optimist. Um, and that even in the face of, um, of, of dichotomies and darkness, mm-hmm. that the best way to get through that is to is sort of just stand there and say, you know what, bring it on, because I'm right. going to be through it on the other side. And there's a line in You Want a Darker the Hineni, which means um, here I am, right? Mm-hmm. It's, and it's usually in scripture... Said said about like it's sort of a uh, like a prayer in scripture, but he says it in the song like "You want me?" Like here I am. Yeah, come and, and get that's me. sort of how he sings it. And uh, I feel really strongly about that. That I relate to very deeply in terms of uh, when the bad things come and when the world is hard. My answer is at least the answer I always want to strive to is like here I am. Like come come at me. We're gonna. I'm still gonna be here, and it's gonna be okay. I just came across that uh, scripture again uh, decades after I'd first been very profoundly moved by it just this last week and it is so interesting to me that you just brought it up again well that's why this is the Friday that I'm here and not four months ago mm-hmm. yes exactly we tried but this Man. is obviously the right time so I'm gonna I'll tweet something out about that in just a little bit but um yes yes all of the yes to everything you just said the power of not flinching from what is dark, from what is broken, and still saying there is hope, there is movement forward. I still have something to contribute to this. Whereas I think the idea of optimism is often like sort of blinders or the whole rosy glasses thing, the whole thing of you're not actually looking at what is. But optimism while looking at what is, is I think one of the most, that is that is the force of the universe. I think it's powerful. And I think that we are empowered when we come from that place. Because if you don't believe that anything can change, uh, where's your position of power to, to uh, your, your sense of efficacy, right? You, yeah. How can you make a difference if you don't believe that, it, that you will come out at the other end, that you can make a difference? And I don't know if it's something that we can learn or if you're hardwired for it. I mean, I haven't met an optimist yet who wasn't hardwired from it right from infancy. I think, I think it is something we can learn because I think optimism requires a certain level of living with the discomfort of knowing that what is isn't what will be. Mm-hmm. And we don't actually like uncertainty, so we try to solve things. And so to be an optimist means you need to be willing to believe that the change is ongoing and being okay living in that. Um, and I think we can we can learn uh, comfort with uncertainty. I think we can rewire ourselves for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that we can um, learn and and exercise that sort of muscle of resiliency mm-hmm. of being able to stand up again and again and say, oh, that didn't work. We're going to do this one more time. Oh, that didn't work. We're do you feel do like you had to time. learn it? Or do you feel like it was there and you've refined it through your experiences? Um, I don't know if I could tell the difference between those two. Yeah, it feels yeah. it, it feels ne- necessary for me. Like the you know when we talk about like our own modus operandi, it's kind of hard to unpack that because that's just it's necessary for me. I know that I was uh, raised by a family and surrounded by people who who made um, resiliency an option, and who uh, 
we're very we're always there to demonstrate the importance of it through their own actions um and we're there to backstop me so i could experience that myself um i was always allowed my mom really famously uh, well in my life never said no to me it was always well what do you think you make the choice um and so sometimes that was great sometimes it was like make good choices honey i wouldn't make that choice but it's up to you but for as frustrating as that always was I've always been given that safe place to fail. Um, and so I think because I've, I think being set up to do that when I was younger means that I have a, perhaps a foolishly optimistic view that if I do fail, it'll be okay. But I also don't know what the other option is, right? There is no other option for me. If, okay, if you fail and it's not okay, then, then what? It has to be because you've got to get back up. You have to go again. Exactly. Tomorrow then you, then is still going to be here. You choose something else. What What it sounds like was, it's interesting because it didn't sound like a very permissive approach of your mama. It was an empowered approach Approach mm-hmm. of, that's your choice. You're going to live with the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and, and you make you know, the choice. As a, as a toddler, she would do those things like, which of these two shirts do you want to uh, yeah. wear? Or, you know if I was in high school and I was like, I want to go out with my friends this night you know, and she would say to me, okay, but we have to be at your aunt and uncle's tomorrow morning, bright and early to spend the day with your cousins on a family day. Do you, you know, it's your choice, but if you go out to like, but it was always, you know, and then like, so sometimes it, sometimes it was like the obvious correct answer to this is to agree with my mother. Um, <laughs> but if I didn't, I got to live those consequences exactly. and she let me live those consequences. That was the experimentation yeah. learning. So I need to reflect back an observation that I'm making. So from your first story of when you came or you called your mom and said, I quit that job. Here's my camera. I'm going to win this contest. And that's how I'm going to live this next year. And that's where I'm going forward. I'm hearing a pattern of bold declarations of what shall be from you, followed with really audacious actions that make it so. And when I say that, I see you on the brig like Star Trek, Star Wars. No, what am I doing? Um, 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 what's the thing? Jean-Luc Picard. Yes, and what is it? I'm, I'm like blanking that's on Star it. Star Trek on the bridge. Oh, it is Star yeah. Trek. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. My yeah, my brain just totally farted. <laughs> yeah, him on the bridge, right? The whole make it so you, thing. I, I don't think anybody's ever said a nicer thing to me. I am <laughs> a, a, a giant Trekkie. Um, <laughs> yes. And I think that I don't think everybody's. I don't. I think we should just end now. I don't think anything. <laughs> I, no one is ever well, going to pay me a better compliment. One of your one of your show and tell items is Star Wars. Yes. Yeah. Right. So yeah, why don't true. you tell us about that right now? Yeah. Princess so, Organa. Uh, uh, so it's a one of my show and tell items is a, a figurine of Princess Leia, or as I like to call her, General Organa. Because General she, Organa, right? Because she, well, she is a princess. She is also a, a military leader in the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really uh, that was a gift for my husband for a birthday present a few years mm-hmm. ago. Um, and it's because he knows and I that I believe that you shouldn't have to decide whether or not you want to be a princess or a military general. You should just get <laughs> you to do can be both. Both of those yeah. things. And there's no like there's no appropriate way to do it or way to dress or, or or thing to do. You should never have to choose to be a certain kind of woman. You can just be a woman. And you can just be a leader. And uh, that action figure sits in my office. I have a sightline of it for my computer every day because uh, I think that um, as a role model, I think you can't, you couldn't, you you can't do much better than um, than a leader of a, of a rebellion who's fighting fascism across the galaxy, you know, far far away and a long long time ago, and uh, <laughs> and who's also, um, you know, very feminine. 
while doing it. And who's never, who never really, at least you don't see in the writing, uh, and as far as I like to concern in my own headcanon, never really had to give up one for the other. Just decided she was going to do both of them and then did them. It's a both end. It's and a both end. either or, yeah. right? It's, and she was yeah. a great leader of the, you know, a great military leader because she was an excellent mm-hmm. diplomat. And she's an excellent diplomat because she understands the, the need to not compromise on your bottom values. So what's the world values. that you're fighting for? Because we know you're optimistic, <laughs> and we know that you're a change maker. Um, what's that uh, prize that you're heading towards? You also said that you're a feminist because you believe that we're not done yet. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not all the way we would like it to be yet. I just had an image of a microwave going off, like a ding. Your dinner's done when you yes, said we're not yes. done yet. Uh, I'm fighting for that ding, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it. when I hear it, then that'll be like my You Want It Darker on my 82nd birthday. It'll just be uh, yeah. your hot pocket of feminism is done. Um, to me, it's a world where every everybody has uh, the access to the community they need to do what they define as success for themselves and where everybody values that community. Um, I'm a feminist because far too, well, because I don't have a choice. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. But far too often uh, women identified individuals start off at a disadvantage because of how we're socialized, because of how we uh, describe women because of the expectations for around women. Um, and we know that. We know all the statistics. We know the pay, there's a pay gap. We know there's an economic participation gap. We know that it's worse if you're a woman of color or a woman who comes from an uh, impoverished background or a woman who has to migrate. Um, we know that as soon as, you fa- if you're, as soon as you're a woman and, like, life's going to get It's going to get worse, yeah. And so the, the, the prize is I would, like ev- I would like you to be a woman and and not have life be harder. Like, as simple mm-hmm. as that sounds, that's the end goal for me. Mm-hmm. You can be a woman and this and that and the next thing, and you can just be that and have the same opportunities and the same access to opportunities as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not an egalitarian. Um, I I definitely believe in, in market forces and that not everybody gets everything they want and not everybody gets to be in the same position. But I, I fundamentally believe that the only difference between those who have the privilege of access and those who don't have the privilege of access is that access. And there's a way to be together in community that equalizes that privilege of access, that lets, allows all of us access. There's a way to stop being gatekeepers to to community and to network and to support. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for as long as I have to actively build networks and supports and um, structures that lift women, I will do that. And then one day, I hope, the work will turn into maintaining that access to those networks and supports and structures that lift women and lift everybody and Instead just, of main, fighting to get and just maintaining the their openness. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. like, to me, I'm done when we get to move into a world where we just get to maintain the openness because I'm not really great at maintenance. I like change management. So I'll have to find something else to do at that point. <laughs> oh, it is so time to play your second song. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So your second song choice today is Jimmy Eat World's The Middle. Would you like to explain why you chose this song? I absolutely will. So um, this song came on the radio in 2001, and it was my favorite song when it happened. I was in middle school when it came on, <laughs> and it has been my theme song since day one. It is still to this day the song that I play in the shower when I know I've got to make a good day. Uh, and it uh, it just rings incredible 
incredibly true. Mm -hmm. And it really resonates with everything you were just speaking about. Let's take a listen to Jimmy Eat World's The Middle. We will rejoin Amy Robichaud in the studio in just a few minutes. Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We are here with Amy Robichaud, the Executive Director of Dress for Success Vancouver. We just listened to Jimmy Eat World's The Middle and sang along <laughs> and did a little bopping. Yeah. And um, I'm really eager to dive into the work that is done at Dress for Success Vancouver. So could you tell me about that? I can. Uh, you ask like it's a hardship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have the immense privilege of leading an organization and a team of staff and volunteers that is about economic empowerment for women. So our mission is to empower women into the workforce and to help them 
uh, find their personal definition of success. And we do that through a continuum of uh, social service programs, starting with, at the front end of that continuum, helping helping them feel confident going into an interview. Uh, so we help we provide professional attire for women to come into an interview. And the attire that we provide is actually just a tool to build confidence. You know, our power suit isn't about the clothing, it's about how we feel in it. Um, and we allow our clients an hour in a bit with a personal stylist in our boutique to walk away having spent an hour on themselves with somebody focused on their best foot forward um, and to build their confidence up through that. We also offer uh, one-on-one coaching and career counseling with professional human resource, uh, certified human resource professionals and coaches. Uh, We provide two workshops a month for any woman to be able to come into that are surrounding personal success, employment, mental health, physical health, economic health, uh, all of that. Um, So about 24 of those a year. And we also run a job retention program. So for our clients, once they're working, once they've moved into the workforce, for anyone who's come through our programs, um, we provide professional development through the Professional Women's Group for a full year on the other side of that. Uh, which we do for a few reasons. One, we know that that first year is the that transition is the highest level of drop off back out of the workforce and the economy. But two, we really want our clients to end that year ready to negotiate for their first pay raise and continue their journey of success. But fundamentally, the thing we do through all of those programs and those works and those operations is we provide the access to the opportunity that women who don't need our services either take for granted or have had provided through their own internal networks and communities. Uh, Success, no matter how you define it, is when you are in the right place at the right time with the right skills. Mm -hmm. And if you are missing any one of those things, and it's usually the the luck to get into that place at the right time with the right skills, um, you're going to struggle to sort of have access to your own success and to your own path forward. Our clients come to us with the skills. They're ready to work. They're ready to go to that first interview. Um, They've maybe found the right place and they're looking for just the right time or that right extra effort to connect it all together. That is all we're providing is that opportunity to grab onto their own success, their own path, their own own professional and personal well-being. Um, And it is so amazing to see that happen on a one-on-one basis and see the faces of our clients change when they realize they can do this and that confidence is in them and they're self-empowered to go forward and take ownership of their own success. It's even more impactful when I get to like zoom out and look at the the community impact. So we've been around for 20 years. This is our 20th anniversary. I've been there for six months, so I don't get credit for the last 20 years. But we've been around for 20 years. In that time, we've put 35,000 women into or back into the workforce through our programming. If you take the median income of women in the lower mainland and you average it out over the last 20 years, that equals about a billion dollars of economic opportunity that otherwise wouldn't have gone to, may not have gone to these women or gone to them as fast, um, that we've been able to move into the economy. So the macro impact of what we do is tangible. It's real. I can measure it in dollars and cents. Mm-hmm. And the micro impact is the face of a woman, a mother, a wife, a sister, who is now where she needs to be to do the things she wants to mm-hmm. do, and then the lives that she gets to change because of that in her right. own community. Mm-hmm. of our clients are newcomers to Canada. And so when I talk about getting connected to community and access, I'm literally talking about women who are coming without their home communities and are having to rebuild it. And don't know how to find access. And don't know how to find access because it's a whole new thing. um, And it is... uh, 
it is a, a privilege and a miracle to be able to do that every day. Mm-hmm. I do that with nine employees and about 350 volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hustle every day for it. We have just over 80 referral agencies that bring women into us. Women can also self-refer. Uh, and to do that, I need donors and I need champions and I need volunteers. Um, and anybody who wants to be any of those things should come and find me. Mm-hmm. They should join us at our success luncheon at the end of October, October 30th, uh, where the CEO of Dress for Success Worldwide will be there to talk about her journey through Dress for Success and growing us from a, a one brick and mortar shop in New York to being 155 affiliates in, in dozens and dozens of countries. Um, so hit our website up, buy a ticket for that. You can message me on Twitter or anywhere. I'm very accessible. Find me. Get there. If you have professional attire that you want to donate, clearing out your closet before winter, whatever, come find us. Give it to us. We'll take it happily. Uh, if if you are a woman who's had the opportunity to succeed and you want to give back a little bit, consider giving us a small amount every month so that we can keep doing what we do um, and so we can do more of it. We serve about 2,200 women a year. There's a, a demographic and economic need for us to serve about 3,500 women. Mm. So the growth, still got a gap. The growth is there. We know where yeah. it is. And um, if you have the resources, you'll be able to get and there. And as mm-hmm. a change management mm-hmm. person who's comfortable with that, my job is to get us to that point. Right. And... Uh, the rest of it, the women will do themselves. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we once had somebody on the show who um, I'd watched her do a workshop once, and she asked a rhetorical question because she was going to answer it herself. Um, what happens when you enable a woman to make a lot of money? They turn around and they help other women and children. Mm-hmm. And you're doing that mm-hmm. with every woman that you're empowering in that position, mm-hmm. that job. Not only are they helping their families, but we turn around and we start helping. We start pulling up other people. And in our case at Dress for Success, the Dress for Success family, I see that in a in a very visceral way. Some of our most dedicated volunteers were some of our first clients. I believe it. And And mm-hmm. some of our most dedicated volunteers are also some of our best donors and were some of our first clients. Right. And, you know... It's this beautiful family and, and world that of women lifting women that we get to create. I mean, there are men that work with us too, mm-hmm. but women lifting mm-hmm. women that that gets to um, to do everything. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I, and I get this gets sort of crazy because I was asked the other day, you know, what is your impact? And my impact is like everything. Mm-hmm. Everything is my impact. Mm-hmm. You lift a woman and the world changes. Mm-hmm. You change you change the life of a woman and you're going to change her whole world, but also every life she touches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's an infinite ripple effect. Mm-hmm. And I am, uh, mo- you know, I am so incredibly pleased to be able to be the greater fool who gets to be at the top of that <laughs> That's ship. That's awesome. Uh, knowing that your background, or you, you have a lot of emphasis on feminism and inclusion. Uh, is there a, a, something you'd like to speak to with this program that's specifically oriented around that? Um, well, uh, I'd say a couple things. One is that Dress for Success... Uh, we're here for all women. Um, we are tailor-made for all women who, and anybody who identifies as a woman, to come and seek, seek out our help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can promise that what we will do is provide as much access to the opportunity to lift themselves as we possibly can. Um, and I think that's a pretty good promise to be able to make. Yeah, absolutely. To say that with the confidence and the boldness that you do, right? This yeah. is that bold and no, it's true, right? And it isn't just what you aspire to. No, no, we we got the we do that every that. day, mm-hmm. and it is um, oh, it's a gift. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. It's um, I pinch myself that this is what I get to do every day. 
I want to be able to tweet out a link to this event that you were describing. Um, I'm on your website. Is it on here so that I could find it? So the link is going to be, you're going to go to uh, dfsvancouver.org slash success luncheon. Okay. And I have tweeted out the link just to the website and a few descriptors that you were just giving there. Um, Who would you like to hear from? And how would you like people to get involved that are listening? And you gave some specifics already, but let's (laughs) just like dig it, bring it home. Um. I would like to hear from uh, companies that uh, are looking to to empower women in their own workforce. I would like to hear from leaders who have been doing that successfully and want to share how to do that more successfully with others for our workshops. Uh, I would like to hear from from the women who were in this family before me, from the 35,000 women mm-hmm. who have come through our doors and found success for themselves. I would love for them to reach out and, and let me know what that looks like for them and and how we can help now or maybe how they want to help us. Uh, it is uh, a, real, uh, a real family that I have been invited into and I am still earning my place at, at this family table. Um, but I do know that the the community of women that have been built through this organization are uh, impressive and beautiful and impactful in in their own right and I would love to be able to amplify those individual stories far more than we than we do now and far more than we will be able to do even in a year I want to I want that amplification to be infinite I love the way you refer to it as a family it's, I, I genuinely feel that way. Mm-hmm. So we're we are more than an organization or a charity, although we are both of those things. Um, we're more than a staff team or a volunteer group. Uh, the, the 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 family the family that we come into is is bound by a shared experience, um, both within our organization, but also a shared knowledge of why that is needed and 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 how how it is helpful. How would you like people to get in touch with you? Uh, well, I, I'm very accessible. Digital native, so you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Amy Marlene on both of those. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Amy Robichaud over there. Uh, you can uh, connect with Dress for Success. There's, You can call our line, at our phone number, and ask for me, and our receptionist will put you through. Um, you could yell at me on the street. And I'll probably say hi. Uh, really, carrier pigeons work. Sticky notes. Um, it's I'm pretty accessible. I, right. I don't intend to be difficult to find. Okay, sounds good. Fantastic. I have tweeted out a whole bunch of links. So anybody who's been following along and who wants to uh, follow some of the links that Amy's been referring to during the show, uh, you can find us at Essential Conv. That's Essence T I A L C O N V. And um, we are almost out of time. You have filled it with such goodness. Thank you so much for coming on. This was really, yeah. Yeah. I feel feel like I've got an extra few inches and more power in my step as I'm going to be leaving today. Yeah, Yeah, just from hanging around you. It's good. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This was a great way to end my week. It was, uh, yes, and, yeah, and full circle again. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, bookended. We bookended yes. it. So just to remind everybody, we've got our fun drive coming up um, in uh, October. The, mm. uh, finishing, we, we finished the last day of the fun drive with our show on October the 11th. But uh, the station is set up, CJ, CJSF is set up to take advanced pledges already. 
So if you go to the cgsf.ca website and go to the donations page, um, it's all set up to take your donation, or you can get in touch with either Rebecca or I, and we can take it from you over the phone. Very true. So um, we're looking forward to connecting to all of you out there who are part of our listening family. Um, so that... Um, You'll get more information about that over the mm-hmm. over the coming weeks. Stay tuned to our Facebook page and our Twitter and Instagram, etc., 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 etc. Yes, yeah. So that's exciting. Um, Rebecca, anything you've got going on? You want to let anybody know about? I am still hunting for the houses for Blossom Blossom Co-Housing Project, so if you've got any leads, feel free to let me know. I'm looking for large, empty houses in Vancouver where we can put a single mom or two and uh, have them set up in something better than what they're usually finding here in the mm-hmm. city and uh, taking on a few new clients right now. Just got a few more spots left. Mm-hmm. How about you, Luca? I'm taking on new clients as well. Um, and what else have I got uh, going on? I think that's that's about it at the moment. I'm still setting up my plans for next year. So if you're listening from outside of the Vancouver area and you'd like me to come and visit where you are, then um, get in touch and we can have a chat about that. And I wonder. Until next time, we wonder what's around the corner. <laughs> Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahallux.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. 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 Oh, ah, 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 